Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In these next verses, verses 20 to 22, It's very interesting because it illustrates faith when facing death. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on this earth. What does it mean to have abiding faith? It could be what the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 had. It had to be tough at times, knowing God's promises, and at some point realizing that you weren't going to see those promises fulfilled in your lifetime. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the quality of faith people like Abraham and Joseph had. You'll find out about the resolute nature of their belief and how God, by testing them, made their faith even stronger. He could do the same for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, The Faith of the Patriarchs and Moses. think that, I think for him, notice the scripture says, figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. What does that really mean? I think he had committed himself to giving Isaac, and by his own admission, Isaac is gone. He's done. He put him on the altar. It's over. He's already done in his heart what he knows he's going to have to do physically. God honored his heart without the physical part happening. You see, God saw his heart and credited him with the act. I think that's huge for us. You know, there's a lot of times in our life, and the longer you serve God, God is testing us simply to do this, to see if we will obey. If we'll just say, God... If that's what you want, I'll take this step. I'll quit this job. I'll break up with this person. I'll stop doing that. If that's what you want, God, it's a good thing, but if that's what you want, I'll do it. And all we have to do is say that. God knows he sees our heart, and he doesn't ask us to do it. But he brought us to the place where we'll say to God, if that's what you want, I'll do it. Why? Because he wants our heart. He's not after us doing it. He wants our heart to say, whatever you want, I'll do. That's a huge test. Let me give you an example. 
You're dating someone. They're a believer. You're in love with them. You want to get married. And God comes to you and says, I want you to think about this. I don't think it's the right time. And he puts an uneasiness in your heart. And God says, will you give him or her up? Now that's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Okay, God, I will. And the minute you say that, God says, thank you. Have a nice marriage. Now why would God do that? Because he's looking for a willing heart. Does that make sense to you? You see, sometimes God can't know we're really that way until we say, I'll do it. I will do it. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions. You can write them down. Number one, I believe God asked us to give back our lives to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Are you willing to give back to God your life? Whatever you want to do with my life, God, it's yours. That's what Linda and I had to do 16 years ago when we left Merritt Island. And all of our friends, all of the comforts, everything that God had given us all these years. And we came down here to see what God was going to do. We drove by the Howard Johnson's the other day. Initially, we were going to have the first church service in the Howard Johnson's here on 192. Until a few days before, they called and said, sorry, can't have the room, it's been double booked. Here we are, our very first Sunday. The word's out. And they call us a few days before and say, sorry, that's a great start to a new church, isn't it? You know what God did? He opened up the Hilton. And we moved from the Howard Johnson's to the Hilton. (laughs) I mean, from a little old room to chandeliers, praise God. See, he's able to do exceeding the abundance. And that happened overnight. Well, it was an accident, really. No, it was all directed by what? By God. But Linda and I had to do this. We had to finally say, okay, we'll give back to you, God, whatever you want. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God true asking me that question? No. I don't know what he'll ask for next. I have no idea. But I do know this. You've heard me say it a thousand times. His plan for Linda and I is better than any plan we could come up with. And if I stick my feet in the ground, I will not be in the will of God. That doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. Not that I know of. But if God moves me, or moves you, or changes this and does that, He knows best. How many remember the old days? This will date you. The TV theater program we used to watch all the time. Father knows best. Does he? Yes, he does. So we have to be willing. Second, I not only have to give my life back to God, my whole body, but it breaks down into the smallest element. 
I need to give back each day to God. Remember Psalm 118? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I give my whole self. How often do I do that? Every single day. I just get up in the morning and say, God, it's yours. How do you want to use it? How do you want to use this day? And I ask you to take my life and make it useful. Next. Number three, and this is important in all the aspects. I need to learn to give back my tithes and my talents and my possessions to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Malachi as a place where God kind of switches the tables on us. Instead of God testing us, God says, go ahead and just test me with this. Well, what's he ask us to test him about? Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church where you're getting fed, that there will be enough food in my temple. What does that updated today mean? Well, that there'll be enough finances to pay for the building, the electricity, the pastors that are on staff, the outreaches, the missions, the outcome, the ministry, arm of all this church. That's what it simply means. If you do, says the Lord of the heavens, armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So I need to give God my life back. I need to give every day back to him and my talents, my time. When God gifts me, I want to use it for him as you do. So overall, understand, the one thing that Christians, by and large, can't do because they refuse to do is the third one. The majority of Christians do not tithe by a huge percentage, probably about 3 or 4% of really evangelical Christians' tithes. The rest of them do not. Now, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they do not trust God with that first 10%. They absolutely refuse to do it. I don't know why that is. Of course, they hurt, the church is hurt, the ministry hurt, it's hampered because these people can't trust God. Understand, every single thing you have came from God. And we taught our kids at a young age just to trust God. Now, with all this testing, I've taught you something a long time ago. You ought to be able to repeat it by heart. It simply this says this. Faith that isn't, tell me, tested can't be what? Can't be trusted. Say, God, why are you running this through? Well, I can't trust your faith right now, Balmer. Let's see if you're really with me. See, you say, well, he trusted Abraham's faith. Yeah, but Abraham's faith then failed. So he's back to test it again. And the same thing with us. When we have lapses of faith, he's going to come in there. He's going to grow us. He's going to prune us. He's going to see, do I really take him at his word or not? Oswald Chambers says this. Faith never knows where is being led, but it knows and loves the one who is leading. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's a great story. Listen to the illustration. Pete had become lost in the desert and had been chasing mirages. He thought to himself, 
I'll follow this last one. The Mirage was a deserted town with a well in the very center. His mouth parched from intense heat. He ran to the well with the last ounce of his energy. He vigorously pumped the handle, only to find that no water came out. Then he looked up to see a note nailed to the post. It had instructions for the reader. Look behind the rock where a five-gallon container of water will be found and warned against drinking or using it for anything but priming the pump. Every ounce, the note said, is needed, and not any can be spared. Do not drink from this five-gallon container. Well, after pouring the water down the pump, he was tested, he was tempted. He pumped the handle vigorously, and all the water will come out as you obey these instructions. The last instruction was to fill the water can and place it behind the rock for the next weary soul who might also happen to come along. Now, if you're thirsty and you're about to die of thirst and you pump the well and nothing comes, and then you read the note and you go pick up this cool five-gallon bucket of water, what's the selfish thing to do? Drink it. The wise thing to do is to follow instructions, pour it down, pump it, get all you want, pump it again, and place it for the next person. That's what God wants to do with our life. See, your life is not about you. It's about God using you. And so we have to follow the instructions. That's faith. Believing what God says in his word to do and simply doing it. Now, in these next verses, verses 20 to 22, it's very interesting because it illustrates faith when facing death. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on this earth. Now, let me just bring you up to speed. None of these men, none of these people in the chapter here, really were perfect in their faith when they died, but they were trusting God when they did die. They never got to see the fulfillment of all of these things that God had told them. But they did pass this faith along to their children. Actually, they didn't see the land possessed, the nation of Israel established, or the world blessed through them. All these things that Abraham had passed along was going to happen. They never really saw this. They never saw the land. They never saw the nature of the nation. They never saw all this people come. They never saw the Messiah come. But by faith, they simply believed God. So they kept passing along by faith to their grandchildren, their children, their grandchildren, and that just kept going along. It was the same promise given to Abraham. Abraham never saw it. It just got, got past Isaac, Jacob, all along the way, all the way to the end, and we absolutely see that nothing ever happened. Now, when they faced death, 
They were walking by faith. Ask yourself a question. As we're walking along, can I be a man of faith even when facing death? That's the challenge. And as I've done that, am I passing along to my children and my grandchildren that this is 100% true? I can't prove it to them. And somebody emailed me this week questioning their faith. Lots of dialogue, lots of things happening. Call a pastor friend of mine. A lot of things happening with that person. Okay, It's okay to question. But by and large, at the end of all your questioning, this has to be taken by what? Same exact thing in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. They had to simply take it by what? By faith. It was never proven to them. Oh, they had a relationship with God, but the promises were never proven. They had to take it by faith. See, we walk by, not by sight. So I want to ask you a question. Are you, by your lifestyle, as parents, as grandparents, are you passing along faith to your children and your grandchildren? Well, look at verse 20. By faith, notice, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. So after Abraham passed this test, Isaac became the father, later on, of Jacob and Esau. We kind of crunch all of this history together. Through Isaac, God began to fulfill the promise that was given to Abraham of countless descendants. Isaac had twin sons. Jacob and Esau. Remember that before the children were born, God had said to Rebekah, these boys will become the source of two nations. And the older would actually, Esau would actually serve the younger. God had already predetermined that. So God chose the younger son, Jacob, to continue that fulfillment of Abraham. Esau wouldn't do it. God foreordained. It was the will of God. So Isaac was going to die. Notice, by faith, he blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. He was going to die. When did he bless them? Right before he died. He had faith that the promises of God would benefit his sons in the future. Next thing I want you to write is this. Faith in God allows us to trust him for our children's future. That's huge as a parent, as a grandparent. For us to know that before your children were born, God had a plan for them, a perfect plan for them. God is their heavenly father, and you and I must simply entrust our children into the loving hands of God. As they get teenagers, as they leave the home, some of you have prodigals. You have to trust the Heavenly Father and the wisdom of God. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying for your grandchildren. Definitely keep praying for the prodigals. Because Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And basically what he said is, guys, God's promises are true. I want to pass that along. Not just to my children but to my grandchildren. 
You know, in our day and age, God has blessed us, especially in the United States, to live longer. So we can pass these things along. Much of the world doesn't get a chance to do that. They don't get a chance to pass along that kind of thing because they die too young. We get a chance to do it. Some of you probably here have great-grandchildren. Some of you have many great-grandchildren. What a blessing to be able to pass that along. Now, how do you pass it along? You don't pass it along just by reading. You pass it along by living and saying to your kids, this is the way things go. This is what happens. This is where we're trusting God. Let me give you an illustration. When we were in Singapore and India, I called home through my internet and talked to our daughter. Well, the baby was sick. The brand new baby was sick. May have to be put in the hospital. The daughter was sick. There was this epidemic of, uh, I forget, some kind of a fever that was running through all of Denver. All right, we're thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. Get ready to minister. What goes on in your mind? It's going to happen. You have to come home. Where are they going to be? What's going to do? So we just began praying. They were also in the decision trying to sell their house, doing all of this stuff at the same time. So we just prayed. We're just like you. We have family things just like you do. It's normal. That's the way life is, isn't it? So we prayed. And we just said, get on the phone. And I prayed with them on the phone. I prayed for my daughter, my son-in-law, and the kids, and we prayed. Two days later, things were better. They were doing good. Everything's good. They're sleeping again. They didn't have to go to the hospital, all those things. We just prayed. We said, God can heal. Prayer is not a problem. It's not a problem. It's 7,000 miles away. Then we prayed for their house. This last week, they made a decision. Their house finally sold after a year. And by the way, for those of you that are impatient They had more than 100 people come through their home to look at it. Think about our daughter with two babies getting a house ready. 100 people. But God finally sold their home. So what's their decision now? What have we been praying with him and walking him through this last week? How to find the will of God for the exact house that he has for you. See, we're not going to make that decision for them. They have to make that decision. But we're passing along to them how to make the decision. That's where life is lived, guys. So they can do what to their children? Pass it along. That God, what? Can be trusted in the small areas of life, to the sickness areas of life, to the choosing of a mate, to whatever. See, the more we know God, the more we trust him. That's what it's all about. God is pleased tonight If you're a person of faith, this isn't a Bible study to go, wow, I got three cool, good points tonight. I like it. This is a Bible study to go, you mean God's going to test me? Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because he doesn't love me? No, exactly the opposite. Because he does love you. And he wants to see you, what? Become a man and woman of faith. It can't happen without testing. So he brings them to us. So if you're in one, relax. The potter is at work. And he does it right. Amen? 
Pastor Mark shared a hard thing in his teaching today, you learned that God's tests are challenges to you to simply obey God. You saw that in the case of Abraham that he did what God wanted for the most part. You found out that where Abraham messed up that there were serious long-term consequences. But always, God was encouraging Abraham just like he wants to do to you. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This winds up Pastor Mark's first teaching of the faith of the patriarchs and Moses. Next time, he'll begin the second installment of this teaching. You'll be talking about how Abraham, by living his faith, not just talking about it, was able to pass that faith down to his children. You'll learn about the challenges of Jacob and how God carried him through his trials. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world